happening now. We'd like to welcome our viewers from across North America and around the world. This is the EdTech Situation Room with Peter Rabbit. Uh, for March the 18th, 2020, my name is Wes Fryer, and I'm joining you from Oklahoma City, where we've had a wild week, as I think every community in the United States has had a wild week. And I am the technology integration and innovation specialist at the Cassidy School. And I am also in the midst of our preparations for remote school, which will be beginning for our students next week. Teachers will be back on, well, we'll be back. Teachers will be remotely checking in on Monday, <clears throat> having two days of professional development. And then on Thursday, I think the plan is students will be beginning remote school. And so we've been busily getting this ready and I'm getting more support resources and we're, we may talk articles tonight. We may, we may talk other things. So joining me across. I wouldn't say across the aisle, but I think we may be on the same side of the aisle. We don't we don't actually reveal that, but you can guess your for yourself. Uh, yeah, not a political show, but yeah, not, uh, welcome, doc, welcome, show. welcome, Doctor Neifer, here on the EdTech Situation Room once again. Glad you are quarantined safely, fourteen days after your departure from the Pacific Northwest. So welcome back. Thank you very much, and I'm glad to be here tonight. I mean, one of the things that um, uh, I think it's going to be really important in the coming weeks and months, assuming this lasts longer than just a couple of weeks, is that I think keeping um, our social relationships up is extremely important. And I know that I value the hour I get to spend with Wes each week um, uh, uh, talking through issues just to have a, a, you know, a human being to have a sounding board with. Um, but obviously, uh, you said this just before the show that we're living in unprecedented times and um, you know, nothing's going to be the same again. Like everything's going to change just a little bit, I think. And if, you know, you came for, uh, just the result of, of, of COVID-19 and then, you know, whatever the economic, uh, pressure that's going to be, uh, uh, extraordinary in the coming weeks and then the ultimate impact on schools and tech and big tech and little tech and ed tech is something that I'm really looking forward to talking with you over time, Dr. Fryer. So, um, I am the assistant director and curriculum director of the Montana Digital Academy, which is the state virtual school located on the fabulous University of Montana campus. Um, I am remote working. I've been remote working since last Thursday. And as I've mentioned in the past in the podcast, I'm immunocompromised. I take a series of three medications because I have a transplanted kidney, uh, which happened in June 2015, just a couple years or a couple months away from my five year anniversary of, of, of having that miracle. Um, and so I decided Thursday morning after a pretty rough night on uh, Wednesday night last week, I did re-listen the show to make sure I didn't come off as too like, uh, but as it turned out, good face. So, um, but all of the news from last week, um, the speech from the Oval Office, the ensuing information about Tom Hanks and the NBA, all sorts of stuff, uh, weighed very heavily on me on Thursday morning. And so I requested to start working at home, which I have a, you know, I, if, if, if nothing else, I have an America with Disabilities Act claim for. So, uh, but the boss was all aboard. And in fact, he closed my office, uh, uh, or our offices at the University of Montana since we provide support to K-12, not to higher ed. So that uh, meant that we really had no reason to be in the office. And now 
basically every employee that can at the University of Montana is remote working. So here I am in, I've actually been working on this for almost a year now. Uh, this is my new home office. I had one in the basement that was a little dark and dank and I'm moving up to a spare bedroom that we had uh, that was a guest room and I'm over time going to turn this into my office oasis. But um, obviously, uh, like Dr. Fryer has been been dealing with the prospect of working remotely, I've obviously been in a number of conversations and talked a lot of scenarios, closed public schools for two weeks here, uh, and the entire uh, K-12 architecture from public schools to private schools has acknowledged that and have shut down, shut their doors, and then we'll see what happens. So I know, Wes, that you have a series of articles you've created, you've uh, dropped in the notes for us tonight. By the way, you can get our notes at edtechsr.com, uh, including show notes and then also every link we refer to. And my guess is, is we may meander a little bit tonight as we talk about, you know, the various things that are going on. So um, I think we both got a lot to say. Is there anything you want to start off with uh, from your links? Well, let me just say first, I noticed we've got uh, a few more live viewers. I think we've got six folks out there now. Um, we can see when there are live viewers and when there are likes on Facebook. That's something kind of new they've added. <clears throat> We're using a platform called StreamYard that we've been using for several months now since Google Hangouts made some big changes. I uh, really like this platform. We can both uh, see your, your comments. And so if you have a question, you have a thought, um, you know, please, please let us know. It's also just kind of fun to know who's out there. So hi, dad. My, my parents actually watched last week. And so that's fun. Um, I totally agree, Jason, with that, with that idea that the, um, the, the personal connections, the relationships, um, the wellness and the self care. And, and I'll say this, if you haven't yet listened to last week's episode, so this is episode 169. Uh, man, Jason's at the beginning part and there's this article called working from home. Um, I've actually, I don't have the, the sheet of paper, but I, I'm, I think I'm going to go ahead and record a video a lot based off of those guidelines and some others, uh, this week as we talk with faculty. I mean, I'm repeatedly hearing people say things like get dressed when you work from home. It's, it's psychologically important, you know, have a space establish your routine, you know, put, um, you know, put, uh, your, put, put yourself in a regimen basically where you're going to be getting up and being active. You're going to exercise, uh, you're going to eat all, all of these things. So I'll just say, because like technically we're on spring break this week, <laughs> but there's been quite a bit of preparation and, you know, I've been doing some coach virtual coaching sessions with some of our teachers on hangouts meets, which is great. I actually just got the recording turned on for hangouts meet. Um, that's a, a small thing to mention, but if you are a Google apps for uh, Google suite uh, for education, Giuseppe domain, uh, as we are, we've been for over 10 years, <clears throat> your built in video conferencing option is called Google Hangouts meets. And you used to have to pay for an, uh, you know, a business and enterprise license if you wanted these extra features like recording. And so there's so many different features that schools have turned on. And that's anyway, one that we've turned on and it's going to be an exciting time. It, it, I don't know that anybody was would have predicted, you know, the things that have happened. And so I'll jump to an article, which uh, is actually from the state of Kansas, just north of us. So we've, we've, we, we usually group our articles. If you're looking at the uh, Google doc, which again, edtechsr.com slash links, 
And so I have a number of those under the head heading COVID-19. But then um, Jason's got one move, 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 moving online, uh, media literacy, Apple surveillance privacy. And then, well, of course, end with our wonderful geeks of the week. But the, the last one I have under COVID-19 is from the Wichita Eagles, so Wichita, Kansas, on March 17th. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly orders K-12 schools closed for the rest of the academic year. And so actually, because people may listen to this at, at, at a different time or whatever, Jason, do you want to kind of encapsulate in a summary what's happened this week? I mean, sure. starting Monday, kind of what, what's from your perspective has happened nationwide and then you know, I'll, I can comment a little bit on what's happened with Oklahoma, but that the headline that the state just north of us just didn't say we're, we're closed for two weeks. They said we're done for the year. Crazy. So what uh, how do you summarize what we've seen happen? Just and by the way, normally we're taking about it. We're talking technology articles. You know, we're going to talk through the education lens. We'll still do some of that. But this is such a huge issue. I think it's it's valuable for us to process this and. So I think that's what we're going to do. So right. how do you summarize it, Dr. Neifer? So for me, it, it, we've really had about three weeks of r- rapid evolution of this topic. And I don't really think that that school closures, uh, mass infection spread was really on, on education's radar much as of three to four weeks ago. Right. I do know that there had been some efforts on the part of universities who were monitoring the situation to start to talk about continuity of service, uh, teaching online. Um, uh, the University of Montana has called their effort keep on teaching. You know, if if something should happen. And in a lot of cases, it meant dusting off some old emergency plans that that whether you're talking K through higher ed, private, public, uh, anywhere in between that that there were a lot of institutions had you know, kind of emergency plans. But for me, I think this became much more significant an issue last Wednesday uh, uh, during the, the President Trump's uh, press conference, I'm sorry, White House speech. And then suddenly institutions start taking drastic actions. And so uh, at that point... Um, that was the night uh, the NBA canceled. Yeah, right. Yeah. The Thunder, the Thunder, the Thunder had a game downtown in Oklahoma City. Yep. It was full. The Jazz were there. Turns out one of the players had COVID, tested positive for COVID-19. They canceled the game. Everyone goes home, and the NBA cancels the season. I mean, that right. was really like the the first major organization that we saw do something, and then it's been dominoes, I think, ever since. Right. So when I can tell you from my personal perspective, this has very much been on our radar because the week before I had been traveling in the Seattle area. And because, again, I'm immunocompromised, I took the advice of of, of King County and that that said folks that were in, in, in underlying health issue. So that's me, underlying health issue with my immunosuppression, um, you know, consider staying out of groups. And I had been speaking at a conference. That's group work. Right. So I and, and again, because of my status, decided that I would leave. And so coming home, I did spend a lot of time thinking a long drive uh, uh, from Seattle to Missoula about this process. And we had started um, uh, working at the Digital Academy to think about, you know, what what that means for us. And we're in a unique role because we're a supplemental program. So we serve kids in in any given semester, 200 plus schools across the state. And so uh, we had already been way down the road of contingency planning um, as of last Tuesday. But then Wednesday created such an extraordinary, I think, turn of events that schools couldn't really help but to uh, uh, start thinking of this process a little differently. And so um, 
Uh, I, at least in Montana, our, our governor announced it was uh, Sunday night that schools were closing. A lot of schools in Montana are in spring break this week, and so that made it a little easier. But uh, there's been a, a variety of, of responses here. But I think the school closures, I know in, in, in Washington State, it's through the end of April. Um, California, I believe, is through the end of April. They're talking about shutting down for the rest of the school year. Um, in Oregon, where my my sister and brother-in-law are, are a teacher and an administrator, they're through the end of April at this point. So they're going to be out for about six weeks or so. And then, as Wes mentioned yesterday, the governor of Kansas just shut the school year down. And there's been a little confusion about that that I have not really dug into. Initially, some districts talk about trying to continue with digital learning options, but my understanding is that the school year is shut down. Like at this point, they're just going to pull the plug and call it good for the year. And that happened today in the UK. Um, uh, the United Kingdom announced that they were shutting down the school year for the rest of the year. I believe that's happened in Australia. Um, and, and there's been a variety of state responses, uh, in, in the United States. And so, um, I've said in jest, although it's really not that unrealistic that, you know, of the things I wasn't expecting this year, uh, a global pandemic fell just short of, uh, you know, like Martian invasion, right? UFO invasion. In, uh, but to be honest, like from a standpoint of, you know, strategic planning, you know, I, it just wasn't on my personal radar at all as, as a possibility. And that's someone who keeps a pretty close eye on things like the flu season and stuff because of my immunosuppression. And so uh, I think you've seen it on Twitter. Uh, there's been a lot of effort in the last seven days for education to support each other. First, that part has been amazing. I, I love seeing teachers connect with one another and support each other through this. Um, there has been, uh, uh, relatively quiet voices, like people questioning one teacher's way of doing this over another. I think that's just really unhealthy right now. To be honest, anything you do to deal with these circumstances is going to be good enough because you can't let perfect uh, doing this perfectly be the enemy of good enough in light of the seriousness of, of, a, of a global pandemic. And I also strongly believe that this isn't the time either to point fingers about, you know, were we ready for this from a technology standpoint? Were we ready from a tool standpoint? Were we ready from a privacy policy standpoint? Like we'll have plenty of time to do, to do post event analysis on this whenever the event is passed, right? And no matter what the implication of the event is, but we have to now do our best to serve students the best way that we can connected with us as teachers, administrators, and programs. Um, we need to take careful notes about what's working and what's not about this. And I, I, I shared an article earlier that, that made the show notes about how this situation is exposing some critical flaws in broadband availability, particularly for our, our most vulnerable and, 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 and our, our students among us that have the least resources, don't have access to some of these digital tools like they should. And here I am touching my face all over the podcast. Um, but like that, you know, those are the kind of things that we need to be keeping a close eye on and taking careful notes on. But right now is all about supporting one another and supporting our students to get through the short term and medium term so that we can make sure that our students are whole at the end of this process. You know, it struck me just uh, in terms of things, things that I've done and experiences I've had. What a, a fortunate I'm, I'm very thankful to be in, in the place that I am to be able to help teachers and to be able to 
you know, I think you're right. Doing what you can do and your best effort, that is what, that's what we got to do, right? We got to take one step, one day at a time, one step at a time. There's going to be a lot of things happening both in our own families with health, um, with news. But, uh, I meant, I think last week on the show notes, I mentioned the instructional support site that I started building out, which is just, uh, support.cassidy.org. And so under teachers, you know, trying to, you know, provide some, um, some resources and also a framework for thinking about this. Cause number one, and this is where wellness is first, right? And self care. It is so hard to not be overwhelmed by current events. So one of the things that I have been more attentive to is attentive to how long, because we've talked about this all the time on the show, right? Screen time and screen time limits and all this. And by the way, I'll just throw it in as an aside under, under Apple today for, this is an article from Macworld in December, but uh, I found this, uh, saw this, this, this week because my daughter was asking for an extension and um, Apple actually made in, in iOS 13.3, some enhancements to the screen time limits and parental controls. And so they have communication limits that you can uh, set in terms of like whether you want your child to be able to contact anybody or just specific contacts or you know people that are in the contacts. And if you want to manage their contacts, whatever. We talk about screen time and we've talked about how this is not just a teenage issue. It's not just something those kids, they're so bad with their devices. You know, uh, these are addictive devices and our brains are wired to, you know, want a dopamine rush and to want the feedback that we get from, you know, seeing uh, interaction on social media. So anyway, I've just found myself being more aware of it, but man, I'm struggling already. Like we haven't actually gone into remote learning yet. That's next week. This is spring break, but you know, there've been a couple nights. I mean, this morning I woke up pretty early and my brain had just been working. And you mentioned it last week on the show, Jason, like when you work online, there's a real, if not temptation, just natural pull to just work, 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 you know, because you're not, you're not leaving quote your workspace. I mean, this is why ideally if you have a place to go and, and I, my analogy to this is, is my doctoral dissertation. <clears throat> Somebody had told me have a different place to go to write that. And so <laughs> I actually went to Denton, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> and was an adjunct professor, you know, instructor for, uh, for a class and got to write down there. And then when I was here, it was our local library that was my space. But th there's a psychology to going to a different space to work. So anyway, I guess what I'm trying to, to say in this rambling thought is that it's, it's been a struggle already. I think we can expect this to be a struggle for everyone, no matter how many experiences you've had with distance learning, online education, interactive tools, all of this, um, we need to be cognizant of how that, that screen is affecting us. And so I am, and today and, and yesterday have tried to just really, you know, listen to a Pandora station. And, you know, I, I did some check-in in the morning and then I did some later in the day, um, Kudos to my parents. They were talking about, I think they, they were watching the news at noon and then at like five or six, but they're not leaving on on all the time. So something important for us to, to talk about for ourselves, to talk about with our students. Um, and man, maybe I'll have something to share with this, but the, the number of memes that are going around, I asked our 16 year old daughter to, tonight to start collecting some of them for me. You know, I think that'll be a good media literacy lesson. Um, and, and there's a lot of humor, right? I mean, we need to keep 
our sense of humor amidst all of this. Uh, but at the same time, the heavy stuff hasn't really started to hit. And I was listening to a podcast, I think yesterday, it might've been this morning, but it was the New York Times, the daily, and it was an interview with an Italian hospital administrator. And folks, it is just, it's, it is like a war in terms of triage and, and overwhelm. And I, I know that right now, finally, the government is ordering a whole bunch of respirators and, you know, sending, I think, a ship to New York and one to California mm-hmm. to help with hospital beds. But it's just not going to be enough uh, in terms of what medical professionals are saying and the ways in which all of this. So I'm going to put this in the show notes for sure. Um, on the support site that, and, and I, I, I was asked and got to be on a webinar day before yesterday in the morning after, after Oklahoma announced the all schools are closed for two weeks. Um, and so actually I'll, I'll give you the link and, and you can, um, you know, see it in the show notes as well, but it's, it's my shortened link. So it's, uh, me slash March 17, cause this was on, the 17th. Well, that was yesterday, actually, wasn't it? It's been a long uh, week so far. It's just Wednesday. And so anyway, um, among other resources, there are um, the, the best one that I've seen so far as a collection, uh, Seesaw, which is the learning journal that we use uh, really for any class, but everybody in our elementary and our pre-K kindergarten programs use it. They have a whole website called um, Resources for Families, uh, Home Learning with Seesaw. And, you know, Talking to students about um, the the crisis and you know resources that can help us you know be able to deal with the stress of this um, the, these are important things talking to our own children about it um, but also I think providing work and to the degree that you're able and you may be in a school district where you know school has been canceled. I think it's going to be interesting. We are creative people, right? And we, when we respond to crisis, it, it's amazing what people can come up with and do and the way we can help each other. And there's going to be a lot of opportunities to do that. I think there's going to be some good opportunities to basically do some passion-based learning. And by that, I mean, maybe not learning that is required and you get a grade for, but maybe you're stuck at home and mom and dad want kids to be doing something engaging. And I was telling my wife tonight, some of the stuff she does with coding, with scratch, with PBS scratch junior and scratch junior. I don't know. I, we're, we're, we want to be on the lookout for Facebook groups and uh, organizations and, and, and opportunities that educators and parents and others are creating. Um, that are going to allow us to learn, to, you know, to learn together and to engage in um, meaningful work together. And also in the process, I think, to become more connected and to support each other as well. Because the number of people I think that have had a transformative interactive learning experience because of, of the interactive web, I have no statistics on this, but I think it's less than a quarter of teachers. I mean, I think it's a smaller sliver. And so, what did you mean by saying that everything's going to change? Like, how do you think this is going to really change the landscape? Maybe not just in education, but do you think societally? Well, I do. And part of it's because that it's, I mean, obviously 
you know, obviously we're going to have to have conversations about, about medical care. We're going to have to have conversations about pandemics. We're going to have to have conversations about the global nature of pandemics, right? I mean, I think part of the mistake is that we, we maybe try to regionalize this, uh, when it, it, I, I just don't really think we're a regional world anymore, right? International travel means that any pandemic anywhere could literally grow, Across the globe in 24 hours. So, you know, there, there, we have to be extra cautious about that. And, you know, we, we've had fictional accounts that tell us that that's true. And if, and it's, it's, I thought it's kind of funny that the 2013 movie Contagion was the top uh, rental um, on, on many rental services over the weekend because people were watching that, which was a pretty stark, but not wholly unrealistic account about how that goes. So obviously we have to have that conversation. Um, also, I think that, um, the extraordinary economic damage that's going to happen from this, uh, that, uh, you know, people are using the R word right now and the D word to describe the, the economic downturn that's happening. Um, and by the way, those aren't, I mean, the, the, those are technical terms, but a lot of those are perceptual terms, which is why I'm not using the R or D term out loud because you, they, they're not that until you call them that, right? So that, that's an important piece. You gotta have but, two, qu- two quarters of negative to get recession. Right. Our, we talked to our, our, uh, retirement advisor today and he was you know telling us yeah that. well and i'm sure that one of the reasons why you were talking to your retirement revi- advisors because um you know your 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 retirement accounts have tanked as as of mine in the last uh, two weeks as a quick aside this is interesting i figured we'd just hunker down and stay where we're at and he said if we can do it uh, he'd like us to to increase in this time, if yeah. it's possible, from a five percent to like a six or to a, to a six or seven percent. Because yeah. if you can buy now, and then I think he's looking at about three percent of our portfolio that he's going to move into tech stocks like yeah. Zoom, like GoToMeeting, like you know streaming services. So you know there's there's parts of the economy, and, and, and we're going mutual funds and not you know specific stocks, but. Yeah, that, that is, hey, we're not investment advisors. We're not lawyers. Please don't take our advice and go out and either sell or buy, you know, equities of any kind. Yeah. But talking with your advisor. And then also he, he just talked about the danger of fear because there, there are people he's working with who are very emotional, very fearful, and they're, and they're doing rash things. And that's generally not a good recipe in any context, whether we're talking about retirement investment or anything else. Yeah. So I think the economic part of this and, you know, I Montana's in every other year legislature. So the next time my program goes up for funding as a 2021 legislature, my guess is, is that it's going to look a little different than we were expecting. We started planning for the 2021 legislature the day the 2019 legislature uh, gaveled close. So, uh, you know, it's it's been something that weighs on my program's mind. I think that's going to look uh, a little different. And then, um, you know, I. I, I don't think this is a time yet to talk about whether districts were prepared technologically for this yet or not, because I don't think we have enough distance uh, uh, from this. We don't really know, to be honest, because this is still a you know, two or three week story when in the end this is going to be a two or three year story that that whatever happens is going to take a while, I think. And then we'll have a lot of time to watch us you know, come back from that. But, um, you know, I'm concerned, for example, about the percentage of kids that don't have broadband at home. And what that continued digital divide does in order to really help help manifest uh, 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 real gaps in in achievement for our most vulnerable of students. And I would also add that 
you know, we, we hear a lot in Montana because of the nature of, of, of the geography of our state about school broadband, right? Does every school have access to broadband? And I'm in a unique position because as, as, as a distance learning guy, um, you know, I need our kids to have access to broadband, but most of our schools, not all of them, but the, 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 the large majority of them are in pretty good shape on the broadband front. You could always use more, right? I'd love every, every school with 10 kids or 10,000 kids to have, uh, you know, a, a, uh, massive fiber pipe that uh, you could stream to your heart's content and do what you want to do. We're not there yet, but you will, we keep working on that in our states, a lot of efforts around that. But the, the bottom line is, is that a lot of kids, uh, and, and this is not just an issue with poverty. It's also an issue with rural areas as well. Um, I, I've been on the, the, the dusty back roads of Montana where the cell service just doesn't exist three miles out of town. And you have to drive four miles to get to the next cell tower with a major provider, or you're roaming the whole time with a major uh, national provider because there's no, um, you know, that of the three major providers in Montana, they don't have universal coverage or, you know, you're in a ranch house that's four miles off the main drag and there's, you know, and the hill next to you means that if you walk on top of the hill, you might get a bar, but you know, you're literally blocked by geography. And, um, my, my in-laws live, uh, 15 minutes away out of the state capital. They live a chunk of property up in the mountains, but it's, it's with other, I mean, there's other people in their neighborhood. I mean, they can see a house. It's not totally remote and they, they, they only have one access, uh, or one opportunity to access broadband and area. It's a DSL line. Um, it's terrible. It's shared amongst hundreds of neighbors and they have a similar pipe than I had when I first got DSL in 1998. So I, it, it, we have to fix this and it, we have to fix it for adults, but I think it's particularly problematic. Schools moving towards more digital devices and ebooks. And I, I'm not talking about the wisdom of any of those decisions. I'm talking about if we're going to do that in general, we then need to make sure that our kids have access 24 hours a day to be able to do that. And here's how I would frame that. Literacy today is different. Okay, and this is, you know, channeling David Warlick from back in the day. Uh, it literacy's always changed, you know, back in the, you know, I guess Aristotle and, and days, you know, it's very oral traditions. Then, then we have, you know, very focused on books and linguistics. And today, um, we obtain the vast majority of information digitally. We talk about media literacy all the time on the show. This is not an option. This is not something kids can just have one little class, uh, you know, and, and have a couple check, you know, boxes checked and then go on to the next thing. Like this is how we communicate and we get information. And, and, you know, there's, we, I think, well, okay. Another shout out to an article. This, this was from February. Um, but this is, um, the WHO, the World Health Organization warns of coronavirus infodemic, an epidemic of too much information. That was from The Hill on February 4th. And what that article describes is the media literacy challenge that we're, we're facing, right? There's a lot of disinformation. There's a lot of, of course, people trying to gouge, you know, and take advantage of. We had some articles last week in the show. Um, there is a article about, yeah, this is New York Times, March 18th, 2020. Don't fall for these myths about coronavirus. <laughs> I mean, no, drinking water every 15 minutes doesn't grant you a shield of immunity. <laughs> you know, I mean, Snopes and some other places have come in, but um, 
yeah, literacy has changed and we've just, we've got to have the tools, you know, uh, let's think about farming, right? When mechanized means of production came to the farm, uh, there were still folks with horses and, and, and plows. And uh, maybe somebody was using a hand sith. I don't know. I've heard stories about China and, and how disruptive even the sith was as far as displacement of workers and, and whatever. But, you know, because one person could come in at night and harvest a whole field. And anyway, it's, it, it's crazy what technology can do. But today, the tools for functioning in a, dem- in a representative democracy and being an informed citizen you know, we have to have devices. Now, let, let's go back to practical. We're kind of ranting here a little bit. But uh, on a very positive note, let's talk about phones, right? Oh, yeah. Forget. Yeah, we'd never do that on this show. Never. Um, so I, I mentioned the uh, the webinar, which, which, which was yesterday morning uh, at 11. And it was for the Oklahoma School Public Resource Center. Uh, and it was about family resources and some things families can do. I think they did four different recordings yesterday. But thinking about my wife teaching at, at Positive Tomorrows, which is a school for homeless students in downtown Oklahoma City, you know, with homeless families, and most of those were single moms with kids, basically all of them had a smartphone. No, they didn't have necessarily an iPhone, a lot of more Android, but they were able to, to install the Seesaw app. They were able to get text messages and, you know, through their app, they were able to see their students work. So today... For fit for parents, and, and it and it just depends on the kids on the age. You know, smartphones are are in the home. Thinking about how we're going to utilize the, you know, if that's the only device we have, you know, what is the potential to, you know, utilize that positively? We're switching over to what Seesaw is calling home learning for next week, and there are new codes. And so in the past, families have only had what they call the family app installed. And the class app is what kids use at, in, in school. And, and in school, they can see each other's work. Well, now um, we're a Seesaw for Schools school. And so what is it called? There, there's, a, there's a term for this, but basically we have the IP address of our school in, in the system. And so anytime a student is connecting away from school, they're only seeing their stuff. And they've created codes so that our kids, like our first graders, are not going to have to log in with their Google account. Uh, and that's good from a security standpoint as well. They're just going to use this this QR code or um, a join code, just like Google Classroom uses join codes. Anyway, we're going to have to think creatively. Uh, we're fortunate and blessed to be at a school where a lot of our parents have digital learning devices. We, we surveyed and did a readiness survey about a week ago to find out, do you have high-speed internet and do you have, you know, a device? And, and we've clarified that to say a device for each student, right? Because some families have two and three kids in school and, you know, you don't want Joey having to twiddle his thumbs while Sarah's over there doing her work. So anyway, I think that it's about literacy and it's about the devices. Um, we are going to be checking out Chromebooks to students, um, you know, that don't have a device or their device is broken. But the smartphone is is increasingly ubiquitous. And so we can think about how we use platforms, Google Classroom, uh, Seesaw, these things that allow students to be able to do work. And there's just a lot of creative work that we're doing. But I think ultimately part of the conversation, which we'll have down the road, because there's going to be a lot of more pressing, literally life and death things, you know, going on. It's going to be about these equity issues. And I'll just say this now, folks, we cannot stand by and 
you know, have a, a, a national holiday to recognize the work of Dr. Martin Luther King and pretend like we are where we need to be with respect to equity and, and social justice in this country. Uh, I could, you know, walk out of my house probably 15 minutes, you know, and be in an Oklahoma City public school. It's just a radical difference between the one that's just, you know, a few blocks away that our daughter went to. And it's, you know, Oprah's done these kind of things in, in Chicago before, right? Just, you know, a mile away, huge differences in, you know, I think in, in the Oprah show, it was like the swimming pool that's never been filled and, and maybe never will be for the kids. And then, you know, laptops in a planetarium, you know, for, for the, the kids in this other neighborhood. So anyway, I think that, uh, yeah, we're going to have good conversations about these things, but on a very practical level, you know, if you're a teacher listening to this and and you're thinking about what are you going to be doing for your students, um, there are some. In fact, let me let me see if I can do this. We haven't we don't really do a screen share very often, but I'm going to try something here. So I'm going to try to do a little screen share. It says screen sharing is easiest with two monitors. So Jason, you'll have to tell me this looks like it's going to work. Um, here is the remote learning. Are you able to see see my screen? I see nothing at this point. You see nothing at this point. Okay. Let me go back. Uh, if anybody's in the chat and you can tell us if you are seeing the screen or, or what it is you're seeing. I don't know if anybody's on the chat to be able to say. I don't know. Maybe we should have tested this offline before we <laughs> blew up the okay. testing beforehand. Yeah, yeah, that? testing, testing. All right. Well, what I was going to show is trying to trying to break down the process of of creating some content and some interaction. You know, do you want to deliver some information? Do you want to interact with your kids? Do you want to assess uh, thinking about those things? And then uh, just kind of previewing where I'm going with my geek of the week. Uh, I'm a big fan of a model that I'm calling, my wife's helped me with this, you know, design, create, and share. What kind of experience do you want to create for your students? So design that and having the students create something. And we've also been talking about old school, right? Your kids can be taking a picture of paper, you know, that they work on it. Like all the work doesn't have to be digital, but then sharing, you know, how do they come back, you know, share that. That's a great way to use live interaction if you have an opportunity to do that with students. And so... Anyway, I think those kinds of frameworks are going to be helpful because the easiest thing to be to have happen right now is number one, be overwhelmed by the news. And number two, perhaps be overwhelmed with how many tools are free now and just, yeah. hey, look, there's 2000 Web 2.0. I don't even call it that anymore, but you know, 2000 right. tools that you can use. That's not helpful. And so what I'm trying to do as a as an instructional coach at our school and part of our tech team is distilling so many choices and saying, how can you record some video and share it with your kids? Here's Screencastify. Here's a way you can do that on your Mac. You know, pick pick your platform. It's pretty much either Google Classroom or Seesaw or, or Learning Management System. And then, you know, how are you going to be collecting that information? So my well, my father, by the way, has clarified they watch the daily White House press conference uh, on CNN at 1030 Central and is an excellent task force. Hey, and dad says he saw the, the screen on there. So maybe that for some reason it just didn't pop up for you. Thanks, dad. So uh, one one quick it's something that has happened. And I'm glad you mentioned this, Wes. Like there is an extraordinary, I, I think, uh, 
altruistic movement happening amongst the tech savvy among all of us to share lots of resources on Twitter. And there have been countless numbers, hundreds, maybe thousands of lists of resources. And a lot of people really stepped up in the last 10 days, I think, to, to, to help out teachers that may have not had the benefit of professional development, may have not had the opportunity to engage in this way, may not particularly like technology as it relates to their classroom. All those are completely legitimate reasons to not be ready at this point for this, 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 uh, extremely quick transition. But I think we've seen in the last couple of days that people are backing off from that a little bit. If for no other reason than the extraordinary amount of, of, of pressure, I think, on teachers to find the right resources, there is an embarrassment of amazing stuff right now that you can adopt new. But I think Dr. Fire makes a really important point that, uh, don't, don't use this opportunity to take on massive numbers of new workflows and tools when that's not really what right now is about, right? Right now is about doing the best we can, uh, stealing from uh, a person from Montana State University that was in a conference call uh, with last week that don't let perfect be the enemy of good enough, right? That's just such great advice. In fact, I've repeated that at least two dozen times now in context of my day job that we just need to make sure this is functional-ish, and call it good. And I want to uh, point out a resource that is in the show notes. Uh, um, my uh, colleague at Montana Digital Academy, Mike Agustinelli, who has been everything from uh, an elementary school teacher to a tech director. He's our instructional program director at MTDA. He created a wonderful infographic last week that's on our website that's called Distance Learning Options for Districts. And it, it really creates a matrix between, on one end, least techie, least training to other end, most techie and most training, right? And it's just a beautiful way to look at this because, you know, it's good. If your district doesn't have Chromebooks for everyone, if your district can't hand out iPads, most your kids don't have access anyways, sending home a packet and having a, a teacher be available via phone ha- is good enough in a crisis situation, right? And I don't think that if that's what you got going for you and that's what you can do in this time, then that's good enough. It's got to be good enough, right? And and this is what I've been disappointed about, that some people in the tech community have been pushy against teachers that have 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 settled for that in light of the situation. I, I, if that's what you've got going for you right now, great. Maybe this is an opportunity afterwards to have a conversation about access and equity, uh, as, as, as Wes and I have talked about a couple of times tonight, but don't feel like this is the time to transition massively to a full learning management system and a full digital curriculum. Because if right. you don't have that going for you, then now is not the time to develop that. We're doing remote learning and we're picking our vocabulary very carefully with what yep. we're talking about with parents because this is not online learning. This isn't distance learning. This isn't what everything that you would consider being best practice. I mean, we're going to, we're encouraging our teachers to go with what they're comfortable and what they have established. What do their kids know how to do now? If they haven't been using a platform to exchange documents, because, you know, as we talked about last week, we all need to be prepared up front to try and prevent email overload. It, it probably will not be possible because email is already overwhelming, but you know, in cre- in using a platform for the interact for the interaction and back and forth of, of documents and files, you can try to 
not, you know, never say the words students, just email it to me. You know, you don't want to do that. Uh, you want them to be using the platform. I'm going to go ahead and screen share. Jason, do you have options to change the view at the bottom of your screen? Because I think as I'm the host, maybe I'm controlling that. But I'm going to go, since, thank you, Dad, telling us that you can see this. I'm going to go to the full screen, and I'm going to go ahead and choose to share screen. And so now I'm going to go ahead and flip over to what you just showed. So this is the Montana Digital Academy Online Learning Resources for Schools. And so we've got some tables here. So here's the school closure learning continuity readiness rubric. And obviously that text is too small for everybody to see. But this is, I think, what you were just referencing, distance learning options for districts. And yes. on the left side, we've got less tech and training. On the right side, more tech and training. And so this is great. We've got specific, you know, whether you're going to be using packets, textbooks, and phone calls all the way on the left to a full learning management system. And man, this, this is terrific. Uh, I'm going to definitely, you know, share this and look at it because, you know, it's, this can't look the same for everybody. It, it just can't. We're in different situations with different levels of tech readiness, even at the same school, you know, uh, I, I love him to death. Uh, he's we call him Jefe. He's uh, uh, Senor Chaveri. He's the the Spanish teacher next to me, and we share an office. But you know, he I, I've been helping him all all year and in, in the last few years with with some. Um, he's done some great skits, but like Google Classroom, we've just you know done some some turn ins for the first time, and I was I was helping him today doing some coaching, and you know he's in a different place, but that's okay. He's gonna he's gonna record some video. We're going to get some assignments and, you know, it's, he's going to take one, one step forward. The other site, since I've got the screen share up and I'll just, uh, I don't know if, if you're able to, are you able to see the screen now, Jason, or are you still? I, I'm not. Yeah. This okay. must be on my end. Okay. Well, it may just be because we're in the call or something and what it's pushing out. So <clears throat> this is the support.cassie.org and it says, select your role. So are you a student teacher or parent? So we're going to select teacher. And then we just have three choices. I either use Google, you know, what, what is your learning platform? Is it Google Classroom? Is it Seesaw? Or is it what we call my Cassidy? Um, I'll go ahead and choose the first choice, Google Classroom. And so at the top, there's a link to some, you know, basics and then the tutorials, which are fantastic, the Google education. But then here are four choices. My instructional goal and need or need is delivery, interaction, assessment or support. And so let's say it's delivery. So here are learning modules and I've created 10 of these so far. Each one of these, by the way, before next Tuesday is going to have a, a 10 to 15 minute introductory video about, but there's a lot of videos other people have created. And my dad is texting me. He says we're seeing Irwin. I wonder what that means. Maybe, maybe it's not going out. We don't, we, where's Peggy George when you need her? All right. <laughs> Actually um, working, working for me now. So I, I, I turned off my ad blocker and it popped up. So. Oh, it did pop up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, uh, anyway, so screencasting. So like no matter what you're teaching with is your module, like your, your interactive oh, we, platform. We have a note. We have a note in the chat. Thanks, Lauren. Lauren can see it. Okay. Fantastic. Screencasting is like core to everybody's toolkit. Right. I mean, I would all, I would also say like before remote learning, it was, it was important. Uh, and so we've centered on Screencastify because it's free. Uh, we have unlimited videos under five minutes before they, you know, granted it free and they, they're giving free pro accounts to teachers. But like without any of that, it's a robust platform. Whether students are on a Chromebook or any other kind of laptop, they're going to be able to record. So 
I've got these organized inside modules. And so there's these 10 different modules and, you know, and I'm, I'm glad to be building this in public. Uh, you know, so if this, if this can help your school, um, help you, uh, what I'm attempting to do really is bring together a lot of ideas about pedagogy and learning theory, but also trying to simplify it. I listened to a great John Spencer podcast day before yesterday, I think. Uh, and he's got a free ebook and a lot of resources, but there's, there, it's easy to have a lot of complexity to what we're doing. And so I think one of our challenges as we work with teachers is to meet everybody where they are and to, to try to the greatest degree possible not to overwhelm with too many possibilities and choices. So thanks for sharing that resource that Mike had. And I, I have a question for you because you worked the help desk for a number of years. We're, we just had another meeting today talking about our help desk. We've got fresh desks set up, email yep. the ticket. Parents awesome. or faculty staff are going to be able to send in and it's even voicemail the ticket. So if somebody calls in, cool. it'll, it'll send a voicemail just on the spot. What are your top few tips for people working a help desk when you're supporting parents and students as well as teachers? Any big tips? I've been preparing my whole life for this, Wes. Number one, you gotta use text expansion. And, um, I'll, I'll put an article into, uh, 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 into the show notes from Lifehacker that talks about the greatness of text expansion, but you're gonna say the same things over and over and over again, and you don't want to rewrite that email every single time, right? And we um, and Freshdesk has canned responses. Yeah. We just looked at that. So if we have a similar thing we're going to do, go. boom, canned responses. Do canned responses because otherwise you're going to spend forever doing it. That's tip number one. Tip number two is you cannot be too polite when you're responding back to help desk tickets. People are already extremely frustrated. People are also uh, seeking help and you can't, uh, you, you, you can't, you, you gotta be overly friendly, right? Remember, email comes off as terse anyways, and, um, it's not, uh, it's, it's rough to, to, uh, to try to deal with email as a medium. You can do that by being extra pleasant. Say good morning, say thank you so much. I, I, I say things like, I'm here to help you. I wanna become, Yada, yada, yada. And in fact, I, I have a script that it is a text expansion called .tn that, that's ticket nice. And it's all of my standard advice or, or, or 80% of tickets are covered in that. Um, and I think that's an important thing, right? You need to, you need to add in extra niceties when possible. Um, also, you're going to start to see things that are patterns over time. And my guess is if this is your first time uh, staffing a help desk uh, as part of a district effort to move to remote teaching, don't assume you always know what's going on. Um, you can suggest something, but always be open to the fact that something you've never seen before, because I'm going to go ahead and guess. I, I, I see this. A, well, I've seen this a lot because we we support home devices, right? A lot of our, our help desk is supporting, you know, variety of devices. Uh, be prepared for that uh, in that you, it may be something you've never seen before. And then if you're, you're you're probably already doing this if you're in IT department, but if you are not an IT person and you're staffing a help desk, have a window 
and a Mac and a Chromebook around if you can. So you can test things out on different platforms. Uh, try out different browsers. Be, be open to the fact that, uh, you know, it may be a browser based issue. So you can test that on your end. Um, and also don't be afraid to pick up the telephone too. That if you're given a phone number and it's something that may be better, just talk back and forth, do that over email. Um, I will make one other, uh, a tool recommendation. Um, uh, our, my organization uh, does GoToAssist, which is a screen sharing software. I can send a link to someone in an email and they link, they click on it and it pops up a dialogue on their end on a Mac or PC and download something so I can see their screen. It was such a revelation for me to get access to that tool as part of my, my work at the Digital Academy that if they had cut that, I would have paid for it myself out of pocket. And my guess is, is that GoToAssist is probably offering trials or, or free things. 30, 60 day or cheap 30, 60 day plan, but also having a remote screen sharing session software is great. You can also do that on a Chromebook as well. It's a free built in tech rescue uh, system in Chromebooks as well. So we uh, were using Google Hangouts meet like that. You can't control someone's screen, but you definitely can, you know, have them show you your screen and then walk them through that. So I guess if you want to go to that next level of, you know, being able to take control of their mouse, but I will also say this. About a month and a half ago, we toured four of our peer schools uh, in the Dallas area, um, and they, you know, one of them has been going one to one Ursuline Academy since '96. Uh, Melinda Gates is a is a grad, and you know, there's a lot of experience that they've had. One of them, uh, Parish Episcopal, they're BYOD for both students and, and and high schools for both middle school and high school, and so. Their, their, uh, their tech director was saying, you know, they are really careful about what they do with a home owned device, even more careful than they are with their own. Because one of the last things that you want is for, you know, Sally to say, well, until Dr. Fryer, you know, started messing with my computer. So we are establishing, uh, some protocols in terms of the things that, that we're, we're going to support and help people, you know, resolve. Um, Jason, if, if you can share offline any of those scripts and things like that. Yep. I think that's super important because we've talked about email etiquette and how important this is to, to, to help communicate because a lot of times, you know, kids, but others will just kind of treat email like text and just be very brief. And hey, if you're interacting with somebody virtually, like they're forming all their opinions about you, you know, based upon what you're sharing. So all those tips are really great. Um, we are about six minutes from the top of the hour. And we want to uh, be respectful of everyone's time. I want to say hi to my mother, who's also watching, who right. commented in the chat. And I want to give voice to uh, this. Whitney Allen <coughs> on Facebook says, they've been told not to post online assignments for students to complete. Equity is the issue. Instructions may change, but at present, they're on hold. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. I think it, it's just totally going to depend upon situation. And uh, like I said, we're fortunate that most of that almost all of our families have devices and we're going to as a school i mean we fortunately have just ordered a new set of 20 chromebooks that haven't even been put in a cart yet and we're going to be checking those out with chargers but if need be we can break down some carts and you know take some chargers off which would cause me a, a great deal of pain right. but hey if that's what we got to do that's what we're going to do everyone's situation is going to be different you mentioned last week seattle schools i think going to packet yeah, uh, packet learning, you know, because kids just don't don't have the devices. I right. want to do a mention of one article and then do a little uh, well, do our geeks of the week. Um, there's an article that relates to this. This is foreign policy on March 16th. 
Israel wants to spy on its citizens who have the, the coronavirus. Uh, I think this is probably an overreach. We've talked on the, on the show. I'm, it, I've probably mentioned I did a TEDx talk, my second one up in Enid, Oklahoma at their event two years ago called, uh, digital citizenship in the surveillance state. There's a lot of sort of mission creep that continues with surveillance and privacy. Um, so let me just throw you the question this way. Jason, do you think that's great for Israel and the United States? Just, should we just open up the doors completely like coronavirus is here? So let's just, let's just totally, you know, give uh, law enforcement and Homeland Security access to, to everything without any kind of restraint. Does that sound like a recipe for happiness? Um, I, I don't know, right? But I, the problem for me there is that I think this is a big enough issue that we might have to consider things we wouldn't consider outside of desperate situations. So I think Israel did, or that, that, that whole movement and discussion is like way forward. Like it seems like step 35 when we're on step four at this they're, point. They're trying to track down the origin of the virus, right. right? Like who, who did you get it from? If it was a community right. uh, contagion or whatever, who, you know, how, how did it hop to you right. with those dominoes? They're trying to use surveillance technology to find yeah. that out. And I would say that data is absolutely invaluable in that context. I'm not sure if, if tracking down the common cold that way is, 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 is useful, but the bottom line is, is that in a more serious pandemic, I don't know. And that's part of what, as we've mentioned, uh, uh, you know, almost weekly in this podcast, this is why you need to be talking about this stuff with your kids, right? Like that, this is the reason why this stuff needs to be talked about in classrooms. And shout out, we've said before, uh, in November of 2019, PBS has an outstanding two-hour special called this, uh, The Surveillance, Life in the Surveillance State. I'm going to mess the name. Anyway, a two-hour special on PBS Frontline about surveillance. And it's... Uh, yeah, it's good for us to talk about. Well, let's let's do some geeks of the week. Um, I think I'm gonna, if I can, I'm gonna go ahead and go first. I'm gonna screen share again because hey, I like to you know play with new tools, don't we all? Uh, my, I have a couple of geeks of the week, but one of them is this website, which I actually launched last night. I registered this domain probably over a year ago, um, but as I've been thinking about pedagogy, which means instructional strategies and this is something that I've been putting, you know, thinking about and working on for quite a while. So design, create and share. It's www.designcreateshare.com. I made a little Adobe Spark video to talk about it, but I'm going to do a series of webinars starting tomorrow night. And tomorrow night's free webinar is called Family Oral History Projects. Uh, and then the next Thursday, I'm going to do one on protecting yourself and your family online. And that'll be on March 26th. And then on April 2nd, I'm going to do tips for becoming a more connected educator. So we are learning and we're, we're, we're at home learning more than we ever have before. And like we're stuck at home, right? And so these things are popping up and my, my three big things are on the top of my, my Twitter, uh, you know, profile. Be safe, be connected, tell stories. So that's where I'm, where I'm going to start with those things. But anyway, there'll probably be some, some other you know, elements to that project coming. And then my second geek of the week uh, is Renee Hobbs, who has the Media Education Lab. I went up to Providence, Rhode Island for a week last summer in July for their wonderful Digital Literacy Institute. 
Uh, and the post from March 18th is an online gathering to share and support educators during the coronavirus pandemic. So they're offering an opportunity to hang out and be able to connect with other educators. And so I think that's a big thing to share with everybody is, you know, we're you're not alone. None of us need to be going through this alone. Uh, we've got several single, you know, uh, single teachers at that and, and some of those we've been reaching out to uh, intentionally with that thought. We've got to take care of each other and the wellness side of this and the self-care. Don't make any assumptions, right? Because this is going to be a very isolating experience. It looks like for a number of weeks, if not months, we don't know at this point. And so it's, there's never been a better day to be a connected educator. So I'd encourage everybody take advantage of this. Look for Facebook groups. Also beware of phishing and beware of, of scams, right? Because those are out there too. But there's so many wonderful, genuine educators who are connected and want to share resources and ideas and also just, you know, be able to hang out together. The water cooler, you know, the faculty lounge, um, there's ways for us to do that with digital tools. And, and if you can do that with your local staff, and we're talking about ways to do that, but there's also ways to reach out beyond your, your local school. So yes, those are the geeks of the week. What do you have for us this week, Dr. Knifer? I have two wonderful quick ones. First, a lot of conversation about people working at home for the first time in your home office. And this inspires, especially if you're used to being up and around your classroom and walking around, you're suddenly sitting on your bum all day, uh, working on a laptop, uh, uh, maybe a thought for a time for a standing desk. Uh, the research isn't as clear as people make it out to be in regards to this, but I put a great article in that talks about DIY standing desks. I will also give you the advice to say, that um, if you are recording screencasts or audio for the first time, you might find it easier to be standing while you do that because a lot of people think it's a little weird to sit and, and, and broadcast or record or do any of those pieces. So I strongly recommend that great website for DIY standing desks. And then uh, I have so many friends that are just really awesome that are trying to work at home for the first time and their kids are at home and the the memes were pretty funny on on Monday I did read one earlier today that uh someone who was doing homeschooling um said that, that we had I had my first parent teacher conference tonight with my wife and we both blamed each other a lot <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny right there's a lot of a lot of uh, funny humor but if you're getting tired of um um, if you're getting tired of if you don't have stuff from your school or it's something that you don't um, um, it, it's a, you don't have enough or your kids are bored and you want some other way to go about that. Britain Company, which is a, a, a kind of a digital creatively lifestyle. It's it's a maker uh, a brand that does a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, Britain Company has made all of their classes free through the end of the month. They do things like both digital and 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 uh physical painting lettering creative uh pursuits they offer these classes and if you've got a bored kid sitting in a home and as an example there's a great uh calligraphy 101 course on there um and you know i would imagine they don't need to have uh um you, you don't need to be doing uh things with super fancy stuff but just a regular pen will probably do even though it looks like they do go into uh you know the fancy pens but i i'm going to do one of these classes i they have a hand lettering for lefties i am a lefty so i will 
um, be taking one of those courses. And I love hand lettering stuff. So uh, this might be an opportunity to take one of your board kids that's otherwise uh, staring at a phone, um, put something on the phone that also leads to a creative pursuit. And I think that's a good way to do that. So Brit & Co. is a great blog post with a, a discount code so you can find um, a class to take for free online the next two weeks. Wow, that is fantastic. All right. Well, uh, yes, we've got a, a good reminder from, uh, from mom. Important to get enough sleep to keep up with all of this. And amen to that. So Dr. Neifer, when you're not here sharing your wealth of wisdom and experience from the online and face-to-face teaching worlds, where can people follow you and, and continue to learn with you? Hey, Tech Savvy Teach on Twitter, where you're going to find me mostly just complimenting each other um, in in the next couple of weeks. Um, if you're a teacher and you're 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 doing something here, you're doing it right. Like it's unprecedented times. I want you to know from the 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 tech nerds of the world that whatever you get done in the next couple of months is good enough. And so see me there for that information. I also work with Northwest Council for Computer Education blog .ncce.org where we are also working on some materials to help teachers out during these trying times. And you Dr. Fryer. I am W Fryer on Twitter and my blog is speedofcreativity.org. I actually set up a while back an anchor podcast channel that I called class with Dr. Fryer. And so it's a menagerie of stuff. Like I, I teach on Sundays at our church and I do other things, but I have went ahead and threw that in because it's so cool. I, it, somebody contested on, on Amazon, on Madam A, the Amazon smart speaker. I won't say her name in case you're playing this out loud, <clears throat> but on Google home, you can just say, Hey, G, play the latest episode of class with Dr. Fryer and it'll, it'll play. Um, but, uh, my curriculum that I have for my students is on mdtech.cassidy.org. And I definitely would recommend you check out design, create and share. And, um, yeah, it's uh, a good time to be able to to be connected, to have a place to share and, you know, have, have opportunities to be able to, uh, see what works and, and, and listen to others share and, uh, basically be a part of the ongoing global conversations, which are happening and have been happening for a number of years. You know, we are 20 years into the 21st century. So, you know, it's, uh, it's time we, we bring even more teachers into these conversations. So you have been listening to the EdTech Situation Room. Uh, episode 169 for March 18th, 2020. We want to encourage you to check out our show notes at edtechsr.com slash links. If you don't already, please follow us on Twitter at edtechsr. You can follow us on Facebook. Please like us on iTunes, on any kind of podcasting directory that you may be utilizing. And until next time, we encourage you to stay savvy and stay safe out there, folks. We'll see you online. <laughs>